If it's the sport you care about, we're talking about it. The Full Court Press on Sports Talk Radio, 106.9 FM, 1390 AM. The Fan. Hello, everybody. RJ Salveson here for another edition of the Full Court Press on 106.9 FM, 1390 AM. The Fan. A happy Friday to you all. You made it to the end of the week. Congratulations. Uh, busy weekend ahead of you uh, if you are into sports. A really busy weekend with college basketball, NBA games, and of course the AFC and NFC Conference Championship games, which brings us to the fact that we are airing those games on our station. So if you're going to be in your car or wherever you're going to be, friend's house, you can stream these, well, I guess you can listen to these games on the radio. Uh, both the NFC and AFC Championship games. Pre-game will start at noon. Game time for Mountain Time is 1 o'clock for the first one, and then the 4 o'clock game as well after. So you'll get both games on this station, 106 on FM, 1390 AM, in case you're out on the road for whatever reason, uh, doing whatever you're doing. So don't forget, you can tune into the games and and listen to that. And by the way, uh, happy to announce we will have the March Madness Tournament on this station as well. Uh, courtesy of uh, our awesome program director is going to be helping us out. We will have the March Madness Tournament here on the station, which is really cool, especially if the Utah State Aggies are a part of that March Madness Tournament. Uh, you'll be able to hear the games in their entirety via Westwood One. Um, and, uh, and and by the way, uh, they do a great job. You will love to hear those games on the radio, especially like during the day, right? You're at work, you're at you're, your lunch, or you're doing whatever you're doing in your truck or in your car. And you'll be able to flip onto the station, and we will have games. And what they do is they have a selection of games. They have a marquee game of those four or five games, and they'll stick with that marquee game while flashing to other games just, you know, at random moments, you know. So when the marquee game's at halftime, they'll go to the other games, and they'll give you the uh, they'll give you the play, play, play-by-play, and they'll kind of switch around from game to game. It's It's a really cool thing. You'll uh, you'll be thrilled with it. You'll love it. I'm telling you, it's awesome. So again, uh, the NFC and AFC conference championship games on Sunday, and then uh, of course you'll have the March Madness tournament coming up in March. And we hope the Aggies are part of that. Speaking of the Utah State Aggies, they get ready to head to another tough one on the road, Boise State, where they're eight and one in Extra Mile Arena. This Boise State Broncos team is uh, Jekyll and Hyde. Really, uh, they're bad on the road. They're one and six at this point. But as you'll hear from BJ Reigns of the Idaho Press and Blue Turf Sports in the five o'clock hour, uh, they've played some difficult, difficult road games thus far early in this Mountain West Conference portion of the schedule. So now, after losing two straight games, uh, one to San Diego State by eighteen, and then of course the really tough one to Air Force, where the refs were just horrendous in so much that Leon Rice got ejected for the first time in 30 years. He was ejected. And uh, just you'll, you'll hear BJ's uh, recap of that, uh, of that game and, and uh, what and how well uh, the aftermath, at least from it, from the mental standpoint of Leon Rice and then uh, getting ready for Utah State. What stands out to Utah State in uh, from B.J. Reigns' eyes, and then also B.J. Reigns will talk about the Mount West uh, contract, uh, TV-wise, and, and what it means for the Mount West Conference, but how it hurts Boise State. That's a really intriguing portion of the interview, by the way, something you're going to be, uh, it's yeah, it will stand out to you for a number of reasons, and so I won't give it away, but again, that will come up during the 5 o'clock hour. We'll have Craig Smith audio as well. So get ready for Boise State, you'll hear from Craig Smith during the 5 o'clock hour as well. Uh, re- tonight, Region 11 basketball takes place uh, all over the valley. Uh, there's there's some pretty good games. The game of the night, of course, always going to be Skyview and Ridgeline. Ridgeline, who got a squeaker of a win in Bear River, uh, is now 2-0 in Region, but now they got the tough task of going to Skyview and Bobcat Gymnasium and winning uh, and winning there. But not only that, but just trying to stop Mason Falslip. Uh, this guy has been in... A menace. He's been everything is advertised this year. He's averaging over 30 points right now. He's the number one leading scorer in 4A basketball. His team is the number one team in the RPI rankings. Uh, but as we came to see, that sometimes doesn't matter come playoff time. Uh, this this Skyview team is really, really good. But this this Ridgeline team is, is really good as well. And I was talking to somebody about it today who's familiar with the Ridgeline Riverhawks. I said, why? What makes them 
so good? Why? How are they able to go and, and throttle Green Canyon by 20 and then beat Bear River at Bear River? And he said it's defense. He says, you watch them defensively. Now, I'm actually going to be at the Skyview uh, Ridgeline game. I'm going to head over there as soon as I'm done with the show tonight. Uh, but he says, watch them defensively. And, and he says they are scrappy. They're fast. You know, it's, it's not really being physical. They just play really hard on the defensive end of the court. And that's what is going to make – they say – he says, I don't know if they're going to shut down Mason Falsif or if they're going to even shut down Skyview. But they're going to give Skyview problems tonight. So, uh, again, that will be uh, tonight at Skyview. That's at 7 o'clock. If you want to hear that game, uh, John Newble will be on the, on the call. Uh, the Skyview – Broadcast, if you will, will be on 106.9 FM, 1390 AM, this very station. Uh, Ridgeline, uh, for the Riverhawks, you can also hear the game on... Just make sure I have the right uh, right station. There we go. Uh, you can uh, hear the Ridgeline River broadcast on 104.5 FM. And then for Bear River tonight, they get Mountain Crest. Uh, Bear River is going to be on 104.9 The Ranch. Get Mountain Crest will be on 107.7. And, of course, that leaves you Green Canyon and Logan. You can hear this game uh, via Craig Hislop as they are at Green Canyon. Logan, uh, you'll hear on 610 AM KVNU. And then Green Canyon you can hear on 100.9 FM. But, again, Craig, Craig Hislop will be on the call for the Green Canyon-Logan game. John Newble will be on the call for the Skyview Ridgeline game. And uh, Tommy Sorensen and Logan Jones will do the better portion of the broadcast while... Uh, AJ Knight will do the Mountain Crest portion of the broadcast again. You can find that on 107.7 FM. Um, here's my early thoughts with Region 11 play. One, Skyview is clear, clearly, without question, the best team in the region. They have the best player in the 4A class. Everybody else is fighting for second. When I say everybody else, I mean Ridgeline and Green Canyon because Logan and Mountain Crest are are just battling for their lives to even stay in the hunt to be relevant. I'm, I'm to be flat out honest with you. Mountain Crest is is not a good basketball team right now, and and they're and they're having struggles scoring. They're having struggles stopping teams. Um, it's 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 a tough situation right now over there for the Mustangs. Logan's got look. Logan's got it, and I think maybe they turn around towards the end of the year. They get uh, they get they're at Bear River, then they're home against Bear River. Just one. Is that right? So they're at Bear River on the 12th, and then... No, okay, there we go. And then they're home against Bear River on the 13th. Yeah, someone missed, yeah, someone messed this up. It says 12th, 13th, and 14th, back-to-back-to-back region games, and that is definitely not right. At Bear River on the 12th, home against Bear River on the 13th, and home against Ridgeline on the 14th. No, don't think so. Uh, but their portion, the last portion schedule is at Bear River, Bear River, and then Ridgeline. I don't see Logan losing two out of three. They finish strong. Logan Brown's a great coach. He'll make great adjustments. Uh, I, I think his team will be okay. And I think they finish fourth in the region. Bear River is an interesting team as well. Have the talent, have not executed at well at all. In fact, their bench has not been good either. Does Bear River, those two games at the end are going to really matter for Bear River because if they get swept by Logan, remember last year, Logan beat Skyview twice. This is nothing new for Logan. They can play spoiler again. If they can beat Bear River, they might even climb themselves up to third. And, of course, the RPI will have, and I know region play doesn't matter anymore because of the RPI rankings, but uh, to at least win games in your region and hope boost your RPI, that should help. Now, on the flip side of that all, this region is not really good. And if Skyview wants any chance to at least stay in that number one spot, I honestly think they have to sweep region play. A couple of losses to, if they lose to Logan or if they lose to Mountain Crest or if they lose to Bear River, it's not going to look good on the, RPI, on the RPI resume. It's going to help a team like Dixie. It's going to help a team like Park City. You have to be able to get those wins. You have to beat the teams you're supposed to beat. And to be quite honest with you, blunt and bold, they are supposed to beat every team in this region. I don't know a whole lot about Ridgeline. We'll find out tonight. Like I said, I'm heading over to Bobcat Genesium after this game to go see that 
to go see uh, tonight's uh, showdown between two two and zero regional eleven basketball teams. But again, talking to the friend today, he said defensively they are quick and they just play hard defensively. Will that be enough to exhaust everybody else? Look, if you can give up thirty five to Mason and win sixty five to sixty, it's pretty good. You'll take it. But you can't let everybody else get involved. Because Mason will get his, but don't let anybody else get theirs. That's going to be the key for Ridgeline. And on the other hand, for Skyview, just keep doing what you're doing, right? I mean, keep sharing the ball. Uh, you know, Mason, when it need, when you need to get the bucket, you give it to Mason. You get it out of the way. But he's going to have to find other guys, right? He's going to have to make sure Sam Phipps is included. He's got to make sure, uh, you know, his just the rest of the guys on the court are also being a part of the scoring load. And it takes pressure off of Mason, it spreads out the defense, and it's going to give it. I think Skyview wins tonight, but I don't think it's the blowout that some others are expecting. I don't think there's any way that happens. Because this Ridgeline basketball team is just too good for that. They have been good for, I mean, they've been good so far in region. They're 2 0 right now. But I, but I think that they're, uh, I think that they're a lot better than what uh, what some have advertised them. And again, I was talking to another individual today, and he just said, "Look, this this team's going to surprise you a lot." All right, joining me now here on the microphone, we welcome back from these islands of St. George, the warm, sunny islands of St. George, Eric Franson. Hi, Eric. The islands of St. George. I don't know if I've ever heard them referred that region referred to as that way. Sorry, the cliffs of St. George. That's probably more appropriate. Well, it is appropriate. Yeah, it's lots of cliffs, plateaus. Very good, Eric. Red rocks. How are you? Are you okay? And sunshine. But I wasn't really lounging around. I was in buildings all day, all the time while I was down there. So were you just, well, were you lounging around in buildings then? Feet kicked up on a leather couch? No. Now it was all work, no play. But it's okay. We got good things done. Good a lot for of work you. Done. Yeah, it's good. Okay. Well, how yeah, are you? It's good to be back. Are, are you doing okay? Yeah. We missed you. No, you didn't. You're like, I got free reign here. Free I'm brain. behind the control. I got Adam the ant intern. I've got AJ Knight. I've got Gabba the intern. I'm gonna free reign. Because you're thinking, man, yeah, I'm in charge. Me. Oh, I wasn't in charge. I, yeah, yeah. There I were, can I can push all the buttons I want. There, okay, that actually might have happened. <laughs> <laughs> that that might for better or for worse, <laughs> both bad and good. Yes, buttons were pushed. Uh, Eric, uh, a big night of high school basketball tonight. Ridgeline and Skyview is uh, is the game of the week for me in Region 11 play. Mm, um, yes. But in, in Ridgeline, surprising 2-0 and in region play, I feel like, and I was just saying this to our listeners, that this game I think will be closer than people expect because I think Ridgeline's a better basketball team than many advertise it as. Uh, maybe. I thought Skyview-Bear River was going to be a close matchup. Skyview yeah. torched the Bears. Yeah, but everyone thought but Green they Canyon have, they would have a be history, a... They have a history there of of what happened last year uh, between those two schools. Back-to-back 20-plus point wins where Mason averaged 32 points in both games. But here's the thing is that everyone thought Green Canyon was going to be really good. Well, so Ridgeline blows them out by 20. So what is well, it? This, this Ridgeline team is scrappy. Uh, they're young. They're scrappy. They they make some things happen. They're not to be overlooked. I, I agree. I think this is going to be a really interesting game tonight. It is in Smithfield, so that's that'll be a tough challenge for Ridgeline to try to overcome that. But but I think that's going to be a really fun game. I, I agree with you. I think that is the game of the night in high school basketball. I uh, I'm going to go to the game. You want to come with me? I'm uh, pretty sure since I've been out of town, I've got to like take out the trash or something at home. Oh, how many times pick can you up take after out, the dog? How many times can you take out the trash a week? AJ, I have small children. Maybe not too small. Actually, I was going to say you might want to rephrase that if they're listening right now. And teenagers, so there's a lot of garbage that so gets they generated. Can't, they can't take out the trash for you. They normally do, just not tonight. Interesting. Interesting. Okay. <laughs> hey, while I was gone, I'm, this oh. is totally, I don't know if you've like planned for this. Maybe we've already talked about this. But uh, I, I just saw this today. Nick Rolovich is going to Washington State. Wait, you just saw that today? Yeah. yeah. Like I said, I was working. 
<laughs> and I was in a lot of meetings the last couple of days. I was pretty Working unplugged. Out. Uh, yeah, Nick Rolovich is going to Washington State. How? What a hire for the Cougars. Yeah, they go from one really dynamic, kooky personality to another one. Oh my gosh, yeah. Maybe he, not to the same level, but... but Okay, but here's my question. Pac-12 media and day I, is going to still be very interesting and, with Nick Rolovich in the mix. Oh, I know. Well, and, and here's the other thing with it is, why leave the sunny islands of Hawaii to go to Pullman, Washington? Uh, lots of dollar signs. Yeah, I was gonna say. I mean, I know there's money to it, <laughs> but how about that? And by the way, Utah State's season opener. That's Washington right, Washington State. Yeah, you're at Maverick Stadium. A very familiar face. Hey, so here's and so here's with that. Add on to this, and I brought this up when the announcement was made. New coaches entering their teams. This is this is a fun little quiz. UNLV, right? Right. Fresno State. Yep. Nev- uh, does Nevada? No. No. Right? San no San Diego State yes Hawaii yes New Mexico yes Colorado State yes so that's what one two three four five six teams six half of the league will have new head coaches this Air year. Force Utah State Wyoming uh, Nevada and San Jose State all keep their coaches and Boise and Boise sorry. <laughs> yeah, so you have, oh, you have six first-year head coaches in the Mountain West, and Gary Anderson, it's, it'll just be his second. Uh, we're going to get into uh, other uh, – there's a ton of news that you – in fact, we need to catch you up on because I want to get your thoughts absolutely on the, on the following topics. Don't forget, pick six will take place later today. I know you're not ready, but I'll I get there. Uh, I've got my pick six, but I'm actually keeping it with me because I want Adam the intern to cheat and show you my lines <laughs> before we play. That's the way we do it. Yes, it is. Hey, by uh, the way, on my way home from St. George. You still owe me a pick six gift. Uh, oh, did I lose? I did lose. Yeah, you lost. We talked That's about right. it. That's right. I owe you. Yes. I thought you were going to bring me something home from St. So George. On, well, on my way back, I was thinking about it, Oh, that's. but great. I got lost because someone stole my sign. Stole the sign to tell me where to Houston Astros or Boston Red Sox sign stealers. They're stealing Dude, you, signs. Hey, do you know what? Can I get like a little like uh, <laughs> I mean, the effort was there. The effort was definitely there, but you suck at telling jokes. <laughs> Let's be very clear. Right? That was bad. I mean, I've been bad before, but that was horrible. Uh, Eric, uh, speaking of Utah State football news, how about this? Uh, Bodie Reer is a new offensive coordinator, formerly of North Texas. I did see that. Frank Male and uh, Stacy Collins, now co-defensive coordinators. I really like that. With Justin Enna now coaching the, coaching the inside linebackers. Let's start there with Bodie Reader, though, on the offensive side. We played the audio yesterday from Bodie Reader uh, talking about when he asked about the fast-paced offense, Eric, uh, something that the Aggies have ran for the last, what, two years, really, I guess, is, is, is what it's been. And uh, the all of a sudden turn around and be like, yeah, we're going to go in a different direction. Uh, uh, this is a really interesting uh, uh, interesting comment by uh, Coach Reader. You know, first of all, uh, guys played really, really hard. And that's something that we're going to keep consistent going in the future. Uh, like Coach said, is a, a tough-minded football team that played really well in close football games. And their, their energy and effort was really high. And that's going to that's gonna stay the same. Um, that's that really stuck out. Uh, obviously, had great quarterback play and have really good skill players and young offensive linemen and, and tight ends. They're going to continue to grow and progress. Talk about multiple different types of offenses you want to run. Is speed still the goal? Because that's been the past two years here, super quick, fast moving offense. Is that still the goal, or is it kind of? I don't think it's the, our number one goal. I think that we're going to have the ability to go fast, but we're going to dictate the taste, the pace of play. We're going to make sure we're playing. Uh, complimentary football and, and, and taking care of, of everyone in the locker room and, and making sure that we can change change speeds. Uh, if I could just add on to that too, I, I really believe in, you know, he, he he wants to go fast. If the first day they walk out, they're going to go fast, which is awesome. But he said it best in the interview to me. Um, and just explain your basketball analogy oh, yeah. that you gave me. Yeah, yeah. I was an average high school basketball player, right? You know, so uh, If I was guarding a guy that came from the opening tip going a million miles an hour, my mind and my body sped up to his pace. But if I was going to guard a guy that was constantly changing pace, he was herky-jerky, he was going to you know, shuffle step me, that was tough. So I think uh, that plays in the hands of the, of the offense if, if they can change the pace of the game. Going fast pace will not be the biggest priority. What do you think? 
Well, uh, so I read the transcript of yesterday's press conference, and I that, when I came across his basketball analogy, it made me smile. Um, that I know that was a point of emphasis with Gary Anderson, a point of frustration with Gary Anderson, an offense that was too fast and got off the field too quickly and didn't give the defense time to rest. And do you hear... Uh, that the, the the philosophy is to have the whole locker room in mind. So it, it won't be as fast-paced. It'll be multiple. Um, it sounds like the defense will be multiple schemes as well, which is pretty typical Gary Anderson philosophy of how he runs things offensively and defensively. Uh, I Sounds okay. If they have the right personnel in place, Sure. Uh, I I was a little surprised at this hire. Um, here's a guy who he looks like he's young and he's up and coming through the ranks, uh, but he was fired at North Texas. After one year. After one year. And I get it. North Texas wants to do some things differently. They had some people go on to bigger and better things not too long ago. It, it wasn't like they had a bad offense. It was a little bit further down from where they were the year before, but a guy that got fired at a lower, I'm going to call North Texas a lower level school. Oh, you should. With all um, due respect. But then he's he's coming to Utah State. So I, I am a little bit worried about that. It's certainly, it's hard to just totally indict a guy based on that. Uh, I'm hopeful that it works out. Uh, it, it's going to be very different. Um, it's going to be a different pace. It's going to be a different scheme. I think we're going to see more mobile quarterbacks and something to to keep the drive alive longer. Gary Anderson has made a point of bringing that up multiple occasions. And so with this hire, it sounds like that's what was going to happen. That's what he's going to make that work. Speaking of being multiple, when asked about the quarterback competition, and it's a good one, uh, starring Andrew Peasley and Henry Columby, his thought was, look, there's more than just those two quarterbacks, but that's a good thing for us. First of all, when we talk about you know the competition at any spot, that's it's all over this team right now, and those kids know that they competed in the weight room this morning. Um, those guys are going to compete each against each other, and you know uh, Cooper and Josh aren't going to sit there and say I don't want to compete either. So they're all going to have an opportunity to battle and and compete in those settings. And I really think that this is uh, well, I know this is true again from interviewing Bodie as we went through it. That there there's an opportunity for both those first two young right young men right now to be a huge part of our offense um, you know there there's some unique athletic ability that we have with two of our quarterbacks and I believe Andrew's one of them and Cooper is the other one no, just I mean they're they're elite athletically as far as quarterbacks goes and I'm not taking away from Henry and Josh but you know if you line them up and run them in a 40 it's going to go the other two guys ways whatever right so and the other ones have the intangibles that are different so my point being that we can use both of those young men um, as a very as a vicious weapon, you know, and uh, does the offense drastically change one way or the other? That's you know, that's his his staff to be able to himself and his staff to be able to dissect and figure it out. But yes, there'll be a starting quarterback. There's no doubt. Um, you know, right now Henry is there because he's got the, the the upper hand, and we go through spring because he's had the reps, and we go through those opportunities. But you know, Andrew's not going to say. I don't want to compete. He's going to compete like crazy. And, and I think there's you know a possible niche for both of those kids because they are different. And I just look at it from a defensive standpoint. If I have to deal with just say it's those two kids in that spot or there's two athletic guys and two other guys that play different, it's hard for me. right? It's like playing, playing against pace. Then all of a sudden it's a muddle huddle. Then all of a sudden it's a huddle. Uh, all of a sudden, those things are very difficult for, for defenses to prepare for and you're eating up practice time. That's team concept football, even on Tuesday or Wednesday of practice. Eric, you've been able to sit alongside at fall camp, at spring ball, and you've seen Andrew Peasley. You've seen Henry Columby and what both bring in their different skills. How excited does that make you to realize, hey, we could see multiple quarterbacks during a game just to throw off the defense? You know, it's, it's interesting. We often, when we talk about football, refer to there's only, there can only be one quarterback. Every other position rotates in and out of games frequently, frequently. Um, maybe not so much the offensive line, but they even they rotate guys in and out. Defensive line rotates guys in and out. Linebackers, tight ends, wide receivers, running backs. 
every position on the field rotates guys in and out. But we always say, well, if there's two quarterbacks, you got a controversy. We never say there's a controversy if there's two right guards. We never talk about that. <laughs> never. But there's there's for, for good reason. There's yeah. good reason why why you typically want one designated quarterback. But Ajay, look what we saw happen with Boise State this year. Look what we saw happen with Air Force. The two best teams in the Mountain West Conference this year. Both of them used multiple quarterbacks through the year. Sometimes it was because of, out of necessity and injuries, things like that. It wasn't always by design. Uh, even Nevada used multiple quarterbacks, but that was, again, out of necessity. But I think that when you look at Henry Columbia and Andrew, Andrew Peasley, here's two quarterbacks that do have slightly different styles. Both of them are mobile, but Andrew Peasley is probably the fastest uh, runner, and he can get out into space and make guys miss, and well, you you got another runner on the field with him. You'd be hard to contain. I think Columbia's got the better arm. I think he's going to be the better passer, but he can he can scramble a little bit as well. Are we going to see them split reps? Is it going to be 50-50? I highly doubt it. If they do it, will we be in favor of it? I won't. I think at the end of the day, you have to designate who is your lead guy. Maybe you have some packages where the other one does come in to throw the team, the opposing defenses off. But you usually have, I. this is your lead running back. You know, this is going to be your stud carrying the rock. You generally know who your running back or your is going to be for the season, and you should know who your your top quarterback is going to be. Um, I, I think it's maybe we're getting into a, a an era where mixing up quarterbacks is not as big of a controversy as perhaps it used to be, but you don't see it really work in too many places where you have two different quarterbacks that are actively switching in and out. That's a good point. Now, speaking of running backs, Stacey Collins, who was coaching the running backs in the 2019 football se- uh, season, turns to the other side and now will coach, will be, be co-defensive coordinator uh, along with Frank Male. In fact, he'll be, uh, he'll be helping out in uh, what area is he at? Doesn't even say. I guess he'll be helping in the front end of the, uh, of the defensive side. Uh, for uh, for the Aggies, and then Frank Miley will be helping out kind of in the back end of it. But with this, you said you like it. Why? Well, Frank Miley, his that's his natural place is on the defense. Stacy Collins came to Utah State as a defensive guy. Um, they both kind of got moved into different positions to make room for other people and to keep him on staff, which was wise. Um, in in its initial announcement and in the initial framework of it all. Um, but I think that Frank Miley being with the defensive line, it's great. He was a defensive lineman. He's coached them before. I think it's been successful. Utah State's been successful when he's touched that part of the defense. Um, Collins is going to be in the coaching the secondary. Um, he's kind of a versatile guy. He's kind of like a Swiss Army knife. I think just because of his personality and his style, I think you can almost put him at almost any position as a as a position coach, and he'll figure it out and make it work. Uh, besides doing running backs, he was also doing special teams, and that's going to change. He won't be in, as involved with that. And Gary Anderson said they're still looking for that 10th coach, and maybe that's one of the things that 10th coach does is something with special teams. Here, in fact, is uh, Stacey Collins I'm talking about the opportunity to coach with Frank Malay on the uh, defensive side of the ball. Well, you know, me and Frank have had a great relationship here from the start, and obviously, considered through the bowl game last year when Frank was the interim head coach, and we had a chance to work on on those levels. But it's always been a collaborative effort here, and it always will be. And we have an unbelievable defensive staff. It'll be a collaborative effort, not just with us, but with the whole the whole group. Coach N is one of the finest linebacker coaches in America. We're, we're fired up to have him. Coach Orfe is going to have a bigger role on the back end, and he is a, a rising star in this business on the back end. And, and extremely excited to have Bo Jay, you know, coaching the B-backers, a position he played not only here, but also at the highest level in the NFL. So we'll collaborate with it. We'll put a game plan together with it. We, uh, and when we, when, we hit that, when we hit those game days on Saturdays, there'll be a definitive plan how we're calling and working it, but it'll always be a collaborative, collaborative job with an unbelievable staff. And then on the other side, the question was, what kind of defense are you going to run? 
Uh, it's it's going to look similar to what you saw in 2018. So we're going to be a multiple off front, 3-4 defense uh, is what we're going to be running this this uh, with, with with the ability to get into some of the even fronts uh, and with different coverages. So, uh, Stacy, anything else to add to that? You know, we we really want to bring the attacking style of defense back. You know, uh, hard you know hard emphasis on the takeaways. You know, we were fortunate in 2018 to lead the nation in takeaways. Three and outs, you know, get up, get ourselves off the field, get the offense a chance to get back on, change those paces, put the stress on other defenses, TFLs and sacks, and then playing great red zone defense, forcing field goals down there and blocking those field goals. And that's our blueprint, and that's the blueprint we'll stay with. And with the whole overall goal of doing everything we can to help win as a full, full team, both offense, defense, and special teams. One thing that we've really been able to do that that enables us to become more multiple in that area is what we recruited a year ago. All those young linebackers are now growing and maturing and you saw some of them get many opportunities especially after you know Woody went down last year you saw some young faces hop in those spots and you know Frank and Stacy and the whole defensive staff will do a great job and you know, those linebackers have great coaching with Justin and with Boje they're in a tremendous spot to be able to get better as young players quickly um, and like they said it's very important and I didn't mention it earlier but our ability to be able to play as a team defense, team offense, team special teams um, is so key. And these guys know that. Our whole staff knows that. And, you know, every week that could change. It's different when you play Air Force as far as a team's concept than maybe when you play whomever the other team is. So um, matching the scheme is something these guys have done a great job with in, in a very short period. It really is impressive. Uh, that 2018 defense was dang good. And I think Frank Male and Coach Collins, they both, or excuse me, Coach Male and Coach Collins both understood, like, they ran away from something that they just didn't need to, especially with as many returning starters as they got coming back. Well, both of them were a part of that defense. Yep. Patterson was the defensive coordinator that year, um, but they were both involved, and uh, they saw how that worked. Now, Frank Miley, he's been a co-defensive coordinator before. Um, so he, he understands that. He knows the ropes. Um, he's highly respected. Among the the players, Coach Collins as well. I've never had a conversation with a player that when I ask him about Coach Collins, they don't light up and start smiling and talk about the energy that this guy has. So it, it, it's a yin and a yang with those two that really, I think, will work together well. At the end of the day, when you have co-coordinators, there's always questions. Who has what responsibility? Who's the guy in the booth? Who's making the call? Um, if there's not one that's necessarily over the other, then there starts to be some question about where does responsibility lay or even where does the success go? And and they're going to say, look, we spread it out. We, we understand. We take different responsibilities. He does this. I do that. We all work together. And we've seen that in some places where that, that does work. Other places, it gets very confusing and uh, it, it doesn't work. But... Uh, Gary, the other thing I thought that was interesting out of this press conference yesterday, Ajay, how Gary Anderson's basically saying, look, I want to step out, back more and more. I want to just be kind of the quote-unquote general manager here. The, I'm paraphrasing greatly, but essentially I want to be the one viewing everything from that 30,000-foot view, and I can step in where I'm needed, all these different places. I want my, my position coaches, my coordinators to do their thing and then I can step in in wherever, um, and so it, it's a that's a major change from when he was here the first go around. He was he was the de facto defensive coordinator, um, and he was very good at it. Um, but he's taking more of a role of look, you guys are going to do what you need to do. I'll support you, but I'm taking a bit of a step back in that role in positions. I mean, I want to be a head coach not be necessarily focused on one side of the ball. I, I want to stay back um, and be the general manager of the football team and make sure that I'm in the proper place for these guys and the rest of the staff, make sure I'm in the proper place to the best of my knowledge for every kid on the football team, um, and really in my proper place and where I need to be for Aggie Nation as a whole. I mean, I'm passionate about it. This is, this is everything that it's... It, uh, you know, other than them grandkids and my kids, this is the next thing for me right here. And so I wake up every day with that uh, just unbelievable passion to drive down that hill and get to work. And I know this is the right 
positioning for myself and for the staff as a whole. And uh, you know, these guys are going to be those general managers. They'll handle it. They'll handle up the offense. They'll handle up the defense, and uh, we'll work all we'll work hard together. Uh, from a special teams, from a general management standpoint, you know, uh, we'll, we'll see. Uh, it's right now, if we said, how is it going to be today? We haven't hired that 10th coach yet, so I can't completely dissect that. But we will have somebody that is in charge of the special teams. And when I say that, I really mean the specialists. The specialists need a coach. They need somebody that they can go to. You can't just... You know, they practice different. Their their timing is different. Stacy was unbelievable at that stuff. So Stacy will educate somebody because he knows a heck of a lot more about that than I do, and we'll we'll get the right education to get the the specialist into the right spot and, and let them become truly the best they can be at their positions. And then the special teams as a whole, uh, right now, we'll break it up. And we've had a lot of great success over the years where I've been as as uh, doing it as a whole and also breaking it up. But I think there's some real positives to having. Um, a coach have a kickoff team, a coach have a kickoff return team, and so on and so forth, but yet still have some of this general manager of the special teams, and that's where I'm leaning to right now. Right on cue, Eric. You're right. You weren't paraphrasing, by the way. He did call himself as the general manager of the football team. Pure speculation when I ask you this. Absolutely, completely unadulterated just speculation. Him saying, I'm going to step back and allow the coaches to coach, and I want to just oversee everything. Do you think he's kind of starting to figure out that he where he wants to wind down his coaching career and set somebody up to be the next head coach of Utah State in the near future? Uh, it, it's a fair question. I don't know that it, that's necessarily the case. I mean, there were definitely times, multiple times in games last year, where Gary Anderson on the sidelines looked like he wasn't engaged. He looked checked out. Um, maybe it was just a a phase, just a part of the game where he was thinking about something else that uh, just that's just how he looked. But um, when you meet him, when you hear him, he doesn't have that same fire and energy like the last time he was here, but he still has people that love to be with him and still love to play under him and love to coach with him. Uh, I, I don't know that this is necessarily a first step in a winding down period for Gary Anderson. I don't, I don't, I'm not there yet, AJ. If that makes sense. Sure, no, I'm there. Uh, but I think that he has seen other coaches in other places where the the head coach is very involved in a specific part of what a team is doing, and I think he's also observed on the sidelines head coaches who are head coaches. And they're trying to oversee everything that's going on. So this may be just a natural progression of his maturity as a head coach as well. So I don't I don't want to read too much into that at this point. I know. If we see how I things just, change it's weird over time, me. maybe we'll reflect back on that press conference that happened in early January 2020. <laughs> say, oh, that was the first sign where we started to admit it. No, I, I don't I'm not there, but you it can make it easy for us to maybe look back and say, yeah, maybe there was something to that. Sure. Uh, but I think that he's just like, hey, look, I've been in this game a long time. I need to make sure I'm helping everybody, every position, every coordinator, not just really spending my time in one specific area because the whole team is at stake here. And so uh, that that's how I'm inclined to see it. That, and that's I hope a great I'm way right, to look at it. Yeah. And I hope I'm right. Well, and, and, and by the way, uh, can I pull up the, the pull the veil open just a little bit here? The question that was asked to to Anderson was from Al Lewis. Now, Al last year actually asked twice about his role with the team. And the first it was, yeah, you know, I'm helping out with the defensive team, you know, staying with the defensive coaches in the, in the rooms with the defensive line. And then by just after midseason, it was, you know what, I'm actually a little bit everywhere. I'm with the offense. I'm with the special teams. I'm with the defense. And now it is, I want to oversee everything as a whole. And it's just interesting that all three of those questions came from out. And it was just the, the time frame, the timeline of it, of from being defensively focused to a little bit more focused in, in a kind of a general aspect to overall operations of the football team, I am overseeing it. And I think that's going to be, I think it's a great way to do it. Look, Anderson is one of the brightest minds in the Mount West Conference in football. Guy's a genius. And he has passion for the game. He has passion for the kids to be successful on and off the field. 
That's what stands out to me the most. In fact, that's what he said in his opening statement is, I want the kids to be successful. successful. I want them to have success on and off the field because we as a coaching staff, we as a university, care about the kids. The win-loss record, it, yes, it means something, but we care about the kids. And I think as in that general manager part, that gives him more of the opportunity to do so, to kind of see them off the field. How are they doing in school? How is their personal lives? What can we do to help you? You know, it's you know, can we sit down and talk? Just that the coaching figure and then the father figure, because some of these kids don't have one or they're far away from home and they need that. And I think Coach Anderson's a great example of that, and I think that much kind of puts forth in that statement. Yeah. Well, at the end of the day, he's accountable for everything that happens, for every player, every coach, every graduate assistant, uh, everything that happens. If he's just focusing on one specific area or one specific position. It gets harder to do that, to keep them accountable, but also to be there when they need him to be there. Not saying that he wasn't there when he was the head coach. That's I mean, no, not yeah. before. I that I need to I need to clarify. He has been there for the kids since day one when he got here. I need to apologize, but just I mean, it gives him the flexibility to do so more than before, and so I. Yeah, I, I, I commend him for for seeing that and, and understanding this new coaching staff and saying, let me help you when you need it, but don't let me just over, stand over your shoulder and breathe over you. I think in the early iterations of Gary Anderson, he was young, he was building a staff, he was trying to change a culture, he had been at some very good program that knew how to win, and so he was trying to teach, besides just players, he was trying to teach coaches how to do be successful coaches, and that took some time. I think this is a different Gary Anderson and a different program. He's not having to establish a culture. He's not trying to help people figure out how to win around here because that's been happening. They've been to, what, eight, eight, Bulls team, eight bold games in the last nine seasons? Yeah. So this is a team that understands what it takes now to be at that level Assistant coaches understand what this program's about now, so it attracts a different level of staff. And so I don't know that it's necessarily a guy that needs to be right in the mix of everything to trying to teach them, sure. this is how you build a, a, a program. This is Now it's a, a different level of, okay, you have your responsibilities. How do we take it to the next level? And it takes a stronger coordinator. It takes a stronger position coach to, to get to that level, and he can – kind of go back and forth where necessary. We're way overdue for our first break, so let's take it now. Coming back, Utah Jazz was a heartbreaker last night. Karma? Or just bad luck? Bad officiating. That's all coming up here on the Full Court Press. Eric Franson on that side. I'm Aljay Salveson, 106.9 FM, 1390 AM. F this. I freaking just, you know. Nope. Still no movement. Uh... Yeah, okay. That's wonderful. Oh, hey, hold on. Don't you dare touch it. Don't touch anything. But what if it's... The new home for the full court press. Weekday afternoons from 4 to 6 on Sports Talk Radio, 106.9 FM, 1390 AM. The Fan. Eric Franson on that side. I'm Aljay Salzen. Adam, the intern, also is here in the studio. We're grateful to have Adam and all his great work that he does for us from him and Gabby. Eric, I got to I gotta tell you a story off air, by the way, and I need your approval to see if it can go through. Okay. While you were gone, there might have been a buildup to something that is yet to happen. But we need your approval for it to go ahead and be built. The Leaning Tower of Pizza, but more work-related environment style. You've totally lost me, but Great. So that's a yes. Uh, we'll talk later then, my friend. <laughs> <laughs> so anyway. So anyways. <laughs> Uh, last night was an interesting one to say the least, uh, depending on who you talk to. If you're a New Orleans Pelican fan, it's karma. If it's a jazz, you got robbed and you don't understand how, uh, jazz, uh, running a 10 game winning streak facing against the, uh, Pelicans without Zion Williamson, who was expected to make his debut last night and instead has been held out until, uh, January 22nd when he will face off against the Spurs. 
So final score last night, 138-132, Pelicans over the Jazz, and a wild one that ends in overtime. Here's the problem. The game should end in regulation, but Rudy Gobert got uh, was quote-unquote fouled with 0.2 left and had a chance to win it. Instead, he misses one of the two freebies, and we go to overtime where Ingram and the Pelicans go on an 11-0 run. Ingram finishes with 49 points, and the Pelicans escape with a 6-point win. Now, I know everybody's upset about the Rudy Gobert 6 foul. I get it, but guess what? That shouldn't even have been in a situation where you're there. You should have won this game in regulation. I agree with that. Um, they they did let the game get out of hand, get away from them a little bit. They just could not stop Ingram. Uh, and I think where that the, the problem there started early in the game where they allowed him, especially in the second quarter, allowed him to start to gain some confidence. And they were they just couldn't stop him. And then once he got on a roll, he could not be stopped. But what a game. Besides the controversy, what a basketball game. Neither team, what was it? Neither team led by more than five points? Correct. It was back and forth. You had two stars that were just going nuts. Yeah, that was... See, that, that was, was a, a heck of a game. That was the great thing is that there were... Uh, you had Donovan Mitchell and Brandon Ingram, both guys competing for an all-star spot. Mm-hmm. Donovan goes for 46. Ingram goes for 49. Incredible. But this game is marred by bad officiating. Now, the final two-minute report has came out. They have said that the foul on Jackson Hayes was the incorrect call with 0.2 seconds left. The foul call on Rudy Gobert for a sixth foul was a correct call, according to the last two-minute report. And it tells us that the only incorrect call according to David Locke that was made in the final two minutes of the fourth and overtime was the foul call on Jackson Hayes. They did miss two traveling calls, one on more of the Pelicans and one on Bradley of the Jazz. Otherwise, everything was capiche. Interesting. I've got problems. Yeah, I don't... Because the, the foul at .2 seconds to go, Rudy was getting pulled back. It, it, you don't call it. It doesn't matter. It's not a foul. You don't call you don't that call foul. It means guys no, pulled you, away no, from the not basket. with point two. It's a wrong call to make. I totally agree with that. I absolutely agree with it. They got bailed out hardcore. But even nonetheless, you got two free throws. You got to make them. If you want to be an all-star basketball player, you make those. Hey, what I don't understand is the foul happened before the inbounds pass. Mm-hmm. So why didn't the Jazz have possession after the free throw? Because mm. if it happens on an inbound pass before any time goes off the clock, don't you get possession after the free throws? So it happened on the inbounds passes or before the inbound pass, or was it as the inbound? Maybe pass it was as, as the ball. I was think in it was coming air. in. Yeah, it was coming in. So maybe that's yeah, why it was different. I was gonna say. I hadn't thought about that. Um, you could be right. Yeah. So with that, look, everybody's upset with the referees. If Rudy Gobert makes the two free throws, and he's an NBA All Star, as everybody likes to say, which he is. Uh, is he? Be. He should be. Is he? <laughs> 17 points, 14 boards, three blocks. And two missed free throws, to, or at least one missed free throw okay, to win Okay, well, it. he's not a great free throw shooter. You're an all-star. Make him. Anthony Davis makes those free throws. You know what? I even say Jill Embiid makes those free throws. But you know, it didn't help that uh, Donovan Mitchell went cold in the overtime. No. I thought he was no. forcing a little too I, much. Uh, way too much. And I think it also it illustrated how much the Jazz do need Mike Connolly. The dribbling, he dribbles way too much sometimes. And I feel like he did a lot of dribbling in overtime. On the one possession where he's at the top of the key, he got the screen switch, dribbled some more, went through the legs twice, and still had to shoot a contested jumper. Was just really bad basketball on his part. Well, and New Orleans was... Uh, trying to get the ball out of his hands. They were basically doubling Donovan and daring the Jazz to do anything else, and they couldn't because the one possession where it was uh, Joe Ingles, he tries to do the pick and roll with with uh, Tony Bradley, and he gets swatted. It just it didn't work. So they needed that other ball handler, that guy who could create and, and set guys up. So for all this talk about this run and how well the Jazz are doing, do they really need Mike Connolly? Last night's overtime... 
showed that, yeah, yeah they could still it, it, they could use him. They could still benefit from having Mike Connolly. The numbers look like this. In 40 minutes of basketball, Bogdanovich scores 26 on 9 of 17 and 3 of 8 from deep. He was 5 of 5 from the charity stripe. Royce O'Neal in 36 minutes had 9. He was 3 of 4 from the field, 1 of 1 from deep, and 2 of 2 from the line. Joe Ingles in 39 minutes, 12 points, 5 of 11 from the field, 1 of 5 from deep, and a yucky 1 of 3 from the line. Not a good night for him. Rudy Gobert, as you already mentioned, he was 6 of 10 from the field, 5 of 9 from the line for 17 points. He also had 14 boards. Uh, 10, of those, oh, 10 of those boards were defensive rebounds, 4 offensive. He also had the 3 blocks. He did foul out, though. Uh, Donovan Mitchell in 42 minutes had the 46, but he was 16 of 34 doing so. Uh, 7 of 15 from deep and 7 to 7 at the line. The only bench player, I mean, to really con- contribute was, or contribute, I should say, in 21 minutes and 5 11 from the field, 3 5 from deep, was uh, with 15 points, Jordan Clarkson. Yeah, Niang had been playing pretty well ahead of those stretch there where he was looking great. Yeah. But the last couple of games, he's been ice cold. 0 4 last night, 0 3 from the field in 15 minutes of basketball, 0 points. Derek Favors, this is how much I miss this guy. 36 minutes, 10 to 12 from the field, 21 points, 11 rebounds, three assists, two steals, three blocks. Yeah, but a lot of his offense was coming because the Jazz had to focus so much on Ingram. And he was either getting putbacks because they had to move to try to react to what Ingram was doing, or because they were collapsing on him, he was open underneath for easy putbacks or easy dunks. We got to go to break. We're way overdue. We are way overdue for a break. Uh, we'll get you ready for the second hour. It's all coming up on here on the Full Court Press. The Full Court Press on Sports Talk Radio, 106.9 FM, 1390 AM. The Fan. Second hour of Full Court Press coming up and in the know of the Boise State Broncos here on 106.9 FM. I'm Dan Patrick, and this is Above the Noise. Sports scandals usually have a limited lifespan. The news breaks, we all react, punishments come, and usually that's it. We move on. They can last a couple of days, maybe a couple of weeks. Major League Baseball was probably hoping this sign-stealing scandal wouldn't last long. Statements were made. They handed down suspensions. Current managers A.J. Hinch, Alex Cora, and Carlos Beltran all lost their jobs. But now we moved into the next phase of the scandal. There have been unproven accusations that the Astros were using electronic buzzers to tip pitches. You might say these are conspiracy theorists and random people on Twitter. But that's exactly who has been filling in the details from the start of this. Not Major League Baseball. So now we wait to see what happens next. The asterisk next to the Astros championship seems to be growing by the day. Maybe there's not much more to it and things will start to blow over. Right now, it looks like the sign-stealing scandal still has plenty of legs. I'm Dan Patrick and this is Above the Noise.